Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. On Friday, we told you that the Ontario Court of Appeals has ruled now uh, on uh, the Ford's challenge, Ford government's challenge, rather, to uh, the Trudeau government's uh, carbon program. And, uh, well, it was a four-to-one decision, and they said, no, that uh, the, the government was well within its rights to do what they did. That's the gist of it, anyway. It was a rather lengthy uh, explanation as to uh, why the uh, the court decided to go that way. Uh, now, mind you, the initial reaction for the premier was that, well, we're going to appeal this. And, and we kind of anticipated that was going to happen. Uh, and we already know, because the government's been quite open about the fact that they've already budgeted $30 million in legal fees to take this court fight as far as it can go. But some are suggesting with the uh, decision on Friday, plus the decision against uh, the province of Saskatchewan a while back uh, with their challenge, that maybe it's time to just uh, pack up and, and call it a game and uh, and figure, okay, that's the policy, that's the only way out of this. Uh, Steve Applin's going to join us. He is the publisher of Emission Track, which monitors CO2 carbon dioxide emissions from energy for use, and uh, a, a great resource when it comes to dealing with things such as uh, environmental policies and the impact it's having uh, on economies and on people. Steve, great to have you back in the program. Thanks for the time today. Great to be back, Bill. Let's see, you've had a couple of days to digest uh, the, the court decision, uh, and and. It's interesting, as you and I talked about last week, uh, I know a lot of people are going to think that this, this whole challenge was based on what is the best way to do this. And you and I have talked about that at length, of course, about whether carbon pricing, cap and trade, etc. Yeah. But the essence of this decision was really the legal foundation, wasn't it, as to whether or not the government had the right to do this? That's right. The, the court ruled that the government is totally within its right. It's not ruling on whether this is a good policy. That's a political question. It's ruling on whether the federal government's got the constitutional right. Uh, unequivocally, it looks like yes, <laughs> and uh, that's where the that's where everything lies. But the, the other question, wh- whether it is a good policy choice, whether it's going to be effective at reducing carbon, which is what the whole point of the whole thing is, um, that's still to be decided. It's still something that is in front of the public. Uh, it's good that you and I are talking about that because that is the meat of the question. That is the where's the beef question. If you don't have uh, sizable, dramatic, immediate emission reductions from a policy, then that policy is probably not the one you should be going with, and that's what should be uh, that is what should be in front of the public right now. But I read a rather interesting uh, op-ed piece about this over the weekend. I, I read dozens of papers, and I can't remember which one it was in. Essentially, suggesting as you just stated that that is the essence of the argument here, uh, but the, you know the efficacy of the policy was not what the court was deciding on. But that may still be the key question for the public. But that being said, then why are they fighting this in the courts? Uh, this this is a political decision. Yes, that, that's uh, well, that's an excellent question. I, I think that uh, they're that's kind of their legal fallback. You you always appeal something like this. But like I said, Friday, Bill, what's going to happen is is there be you know between the time that they develop their appeal strategy uh, and and other meaningful uh, events occur in the Canadian public landscape, i.e., the election. Uh, there, we could get a change of government, that, and the new government could very well rescind this, and the whole thing becomes moot. Uh, what I think you're talking about, uh, other commentators saying that, well, the government should move on, and that's certainly one of their alternatives. That's certainly one of the things they should be looking at, and I'll wager that they are looking at it. And what the Ontario government could do, and should do, in my opinion, is to dust off that uh, climate plan that we talked about back in, I think it was November of uh, 2018, and uh, buttress it up. Because there are some uh, promising uh, aspects to that plan that I that, that I thought were interesting and worth looking at, and I think the new or that the government, in light of this decision, uh, might want to uh, might want to revisit that and get um, more public out 
more public information out about how they intend to uh, reduce emissions that way. And it's an interesting point, and, and it actually it parlays pretty much into what I was just talking about before you joined us, uh, about how the, the the Ford government seems to be hitting the reset button here with the, the cabinet shuffle that they did, and some of the new ministers that we've talked to already are, are suggesting that they're more than willing right now to modify, if not totally change, uh, some of the policies that clearly had an impact on the fact that their approval ratings seem to have dipped so significantly. Uh, do you do you understand and to think in, in your opinion that the environment ministry is is in, on that same track that they'll say okay listen hold on let's let's sit back and evaluate this or are they just going to go full spore ahead on what they've already planned? Well, they they indicated that they're going to do the latter, but I think that they're really seriously thinking about the former. Just in light of all the other stuff that you mentioned, like they're they're not looking good in the polls, they're they're feeling a lot of uh, public opinion heat right now. And so, sure, pushing the right reset button, uh, they could they could say, you know, it was the old gang, the old sort of uh, uh, premier's office uh, uh, management, and they're all gone now, and we've taken a fresh look at this, and we're going to go in a new direction. That's all perhaps in the cards. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, especially in light of the fact that, uh, you know, there's there's options out here. And uh, I guess we always have to be careful and wary of the fact that, uh, that when you and I are having these discussions, uh, that not everybody is, is is in tune with what's going on. Not everybody's read the documents. Not everybody's probably even read uh, the intricacies of the policies, even the federal policy, let alone the, some of the other proposals right now. Uh, so, so I guess the public is malleable at this stage. I mean, they're willing to go one way or another if somebody can convince them that that's the best possible plan. And I'm not so sure that they've done that yet. No, nobody's done that. Yet. That's exactly right. The, the, this question is absolutely wide open about, in my opinion, about what, where to go in order to you know achieve those dramatic, deep, immediate reductions that we have to do that we have to start now to do if we're going to meet Paris targets by 2030 and if we're going to avert this two degree warming. Thing that the, all the scientists tell us is coming if we don't change our ways. So this is a, an absolutely integral part of the public discussion, and the public, you're right, is 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 quite open to what those what those alternatives are. We've got a couple of all very very stark alternatives: renewables versus nuclear. One of them has evidence that shows it works. The other one has uh, a lot of popularity and support, but no evidence whatsoever around the world. And a lot of proponents that are asserting very confidently that uh, renewable energy backed up by storage and conservation and, and uh, you know, all the all those standard environmental um, um, cliches uh, are, is the way to go, and there's no evidence to support this. It'll be interesting to get that kind of argument in front of the public should a one of the parties decide to take it there. On the, you know, green liberal NDP side, I don't see any movement there. I think I see the only possibility in with the conservatives, and it'll be up to them to uh, sort of decide to take this tactic. Well, as you and I talked about, I think a week or so ago, um, I, I know this is not the, the the state of policy of the NDP, but the fact that <clears throat> excuse me, the Leap Manifesto is still out there, yeah. uh, and there's always a concern that well, look at if we hand the reins of power to these guys, that element of the party is still there, and we don't want to go there. I, I, I think there's a probably a consensus with the majority of the NDP party not to go there, but but you never know in situations like this. So uh, that one has been ruled out. I think you can check that box. Uh, Andrew Shear rolled his policy out a couple of weeks ago, right now, and it received. I think, to be kind, a lukewarm reception at best. I mean, even some of the conservative supporters are saying, no, it doesn't really, it doesn't get it done. It doesn't doesn't talk about targets. There's a lot of, and former Prime Minister Kim Campbell uh, and a number of other conservatives have actually panned the plan and said, look, it's, that's not where we want to go. So we, the public right now, Steve, are looking at all this information, and there's a plethora of information, pro and con to this, and saying, I don't know, where are we going to go? How are we going to do this? 
Well, the whole, my suggestion is just simply follow the data. And if you follow the data and, and, and look closely at which countries, which jurisdictions have actually achieved these deep uh, uh, carbon emission uh, uh, cuts or have avoided carbon over, over decades, not just, uh, in the, not just anecdotally over a couple of years because of a blip and an economic cycle or something like this, but decade, decade after decade after decade have, have kept them low or have reduced them from a high point. Uh, you've got then you've got a the beginnings of fleshing out something that Andrew Shear mentioned the last time, which is a technological approach rather than a carbon tax based approach. Uh, that I fully agree with. I and, and a matter as a matter of fact, I, I don't see that the two are mutually exclusive. If you take a technological approach and you could raise tax revenue to pay for the technology, then and and the technology demonstrably reduces CO two, then you're I don't like the. You know, I always say cooking with gas is the wrong metaphor. <laughs> then, then, then you're, then you're, you know, you're moving along the way you should. So th- there's something there that I think that the conservatives could certainly do, which is to flesh out the technology part of their, you know, the technological approach that they're that they're mentioning. But the fine line that they seem to be walking right now, though, Steve, is is I, I think they're basing what they're trying to propose here simply on the premise that it's not going to cost you anything out of your pocket, and and I'm not so sure that you can do that. Uh, somebody's going to have to pay for this. Uh, there's some, there are some, uh, uh, there are some regulatory implications to to what I mentioned, and uh, we'll use that as a euphemism for <laughs> some fairly <laughs> significant changes. But uh, that, that's right. I I think that it could be achieved at at very low cost, certainly lower cost than any of the alternatives that are bouncing around in the public sphere. So there's there's that possibility. It, it just you will go down a road to, in my opinion, re-regulation of electricity, and then you're going to see a hugely expanded role for local distribution electricity companies because everybody's talking about the electrification of the other sectors that are not electrified right now yeah. transport and heating uh, you electrify those in ontario alone we've got a market that jumps from about uh, 25 billion dollars annually with electricity to about 50 billion dollars uh, ldc revenues double or perhaps triple uh, the the amount of energy going through the wires doubles if not triples uh, that's very significant. That's something that is going to have to happen if we're going to decarbonize energy. And uh, that is a technological approach that jives completely with what Andrew Scheer is talking about. And uh, some public component of funding to either get it started or to sustain it, but at a, a, a sustainable level, if I can, if I can use that, um, is, it also jives with the, with the proponents of the carbon tax. Carbon tax is not 100% bad if the revenues are used for something that is actually effective. My worry is that the the revenues, as currently envisioned, are just not going to be utilized effectively. And, and, and therein lies the problem when we're looking at these situations as to as to how they want to go on this. And it sounds to me as if a hybrid is is probably the better solution here. But I don't see anybody going down that road. I I think that that that's exactly what's going to work out. You're you're right. Like everybody's dug in and, and entrenched, but as everybody knows, politics is the art of compromise. So you'll see. We're already seeing. Um, um, the Ontario Conservatives backing off a, a really, really hard-held point. And, uh, you know, when, when power's at stake and, uh, and elections hinge on what you say out in public and policies that you develop, people have a way of changing long-held uh, positions. So it'll be really interesting to see. Like, we've got three months to go t- towards a federal election where this issue that you and I are discussing right now may be the linchpin to the election. So uh, you bet there will be 
room to compromise, and there will be a lot of uh, wrestling going on, and, and uh, positions are going to change between now and October. You know, it's interesting, I mean, because what you were describing here is a, is a possible solution, with the, obviously with the uh, leaning more towards uh, electrical, which we kind of want to do anyway. I mean, everybody's yeah. talking around that. That's not a new idea. I mean, we were starting to head that way back in the 1960s. Uh, with uh, and all of a sudden, for some reason, Steve, we decided no, 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 no. We have a, a an un you know we have fossil fuels are the answer because we have an unlimited supply of that stuff and yeah. and it's cheap and it's the better way to go. Uh, now we, we this is like you know this is everything old is new again. Now we're kind of going back and say, well, wait a second, maybe that wasn't the smartest decision to make. That's right. Well, it's uh, well Ontario is an absolutely fascinating test example of this whole thing because we went the absolutely well. We we and the other nuclear jurisdictions of so France and uh, the United States to some degree uh, went in the absolute opposite direction and had been leaning in that direction even before the OPEC oil crisis of 1973. So we went nuclear in Ontario and we shielded ourselves for decades against the vagaries of fossil fuel markets. That's just gone. We don't have that. We don't have that problem in our in our electricity system anymore. Yes, we went back onto coal, uh, but we also went off that pretty quickly because we have the technology that allows us to get off it, which is nuclear. So that aspect of the technological and electrification thing, uh, you know, got uh, sort of garbled in the post-OPEC oil crisis uh, argument over energy and environment. But it's shaking back out. It's got to be electrified. Energy has to be electrified. And if you're going to electrify it, it's got to be done on a zero-carbon basis with something that's capable of providing bulk power capable of province, uh, uh, powering a province like Ontario. We're an advanced industrial jurisdiction. We've been that since the end of the Second World War. Um, there's one technology that's capable of doing this. You know my point of view. Everybody can tell, yeah. can hear me loud and clear what I'm, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, but uh, this is backed up by data. This is what I'm hoping uh, in the next three months enters the public debate. It's just great that you and I are discussing this because this is, this is the type of discussion that has to happen. Uh, you know, widespread out in, the, out in the public. What is the best technological approach to cutting carbon? Not how many wind turbines can you build? That's the, that's the defining issue, hopefully, what I'm hoping to make the defining issue of the environmental aspect of this election. Problem is, as you and I know from past experience and the number of elections you and I have both seen, is that uh, that may be the discussion that, that we should be having right now. Yeah. But uh, the Liberals have their policy, the Conservatives yeah. have their policy, and the NDP have theirs, the Greens have theirs. And they're looking at the clock and thinking, you know what, we've only got a couple of months. We are entrenched in what we're going to do, and we're going to yeah. fight the battle with these infor- with this information and these tools, which is maybe not for the best thing for the Canadian public, but it's what we're going to be stuck with when we go to mark our ballots on that uh, on Election Day. That's absolutely, that's, that's correct. You've, you've, like I said on Friday, you've got a fastball pitcher in Doug Ford against a fastball hitter in Justin Trudeau. Doug Ford says the carbon tax is nonsense. Justin Trudeau says the carbon tax is the way we need to do this. Uh, we'll find out on Election Day who's right. Uh, and, and like I said, there's a, there's a, it'll be interesting to watch this wrestling match, this policy wrestling match, to see who climbs off the position. But you're right, it could just, it could just regress back into what the entrenched positions already are. And, I, and that's another question. I know we're almost out of time here. I, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, if there was a change of government in October, uh, that pretty much settles the question because we already know where the conservatives are going to go on this. However, the other side of that coin is if the liberals are reelected, exactly. uh, does, do the provincial governments look at that and say, look, if the majority of people brought these guys back in, let's just drop the fight? Yeah, that, that's probably what they'll do. You know, they're going to they're take this to the next level, to the Supreme Court, and, and you know, we discussed uh, the legal yeah. aspects of that on Friday. And that's... Is that a sure win? It's 50-50. <laughs> it's, uh, you're going to hang, 
you're, you know, and then by that time, uh, Doug Ford's going to be in re-election mode. So you're right. They're probably going to say, look, uh, we lost in the Supreme Court. Uh, this guy's just been re-elected. Uh, we're going to get endless questions about, okay, I'll, I'll just put it in exactly the way that you just put it. He's been re-elected. It was over a carbon tax. He got re-elected. People of Canada want the carbon tax. Do, you know, work with that. Well, we'll see. Interesting times. Uh, always a pleasure, Steve. Thanks so much for this today. Always a pleasure, Bill. Thank you. Steve Applin, publisher of Emission Track. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.